Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, I welcome back former number one pick in the MLS draft, Omar Salgado, and his former teammate, Jay Demerit. As an experienced player and captain of the Vancouver Whitecaps, Jay helped a teenaged Omar adjust to life as a professional soccer player. They reflect on their experiences as professionals and together as teammates. Omar shares his appreciation for Jay and what he did for him. Please enjoy. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. All right, so Jay finally figured out his technology. So uh, Omar, Jay's you, can, here. That's you, right. can, you can ask him all the questions you want now about where he's been for 10 years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the last time I saw him was basically Vancouver after he retired. That was 10 years ago, 2013, no, 2014. Yeah, 2014, kind of moving into 15. So, yeah, we're moving into like eight and a half, nine, nine, nine years ago now. <laughs> Been a while. Yeah, it's a long time. Well, you know, and again, and, and I remember you were, you were, you know, very much at a crossroads in your career and, and trying to figure out kind of where you wanted to go next. And, and uh, you know, like like a lot of players have to do. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think one of the things for us is is as you come out of the game, you know, you're like, well, what do you want to do with that experience? And then you also have like the young players that are coming into the game and you want to kind of try to lend that experience so they can maybe use that experience for their experience, if you know what I mean. And so I think, you know, that was kind of the last time we we were chatting was, was kind of like your, your next steps of kind of leaving Vancouver, you know, trying to figure out what you wanted to do, um, opportunities that you had. And then for me, it was like, you know, I think when you when you retire, you kind of like you look back at the game and everyone's experience is so different. And so for me, it was like, I had this really unique experience, you know, like my, my path was so rare and so, so unique in a, in a way that I'm like, I don't want to just go be a coach. I feel like I, just, I wasn't doing my experience justice as to like how I want to give back to the game, you know, as, as, as players, you know, I think that's, that's the best we can do as individuals is to give our individual stories back to whoever want to, we want to recontribute to the game when we come out of the game. And so for me, it was like, you know, leadership was always something that I had kind of been accustomed to, but because I was, I was a holistic person, so I had all these other things because I didn't make it pro right away. You know, Omar's path couldn't have been any different than mine. You know, at 17, he's getting drafted number one in the whole draft. At 17, I was working at a, uh, at a landscaping company, mowing lawns and, uh, and trying to figure out if I was even going to get a college scholarship, you know, so... You know, for me, it was, it was kind of like, you know, I had this unique experience and then I, like, I, I didn't just want to go work for the Whitecaps, you know, and the Whitecaps, no disrespect to the organization, but they didn't do a very good job of keeping anybody, my, my, myself included. And so they didn't keep me around. So I didn't really have any, many opportunities there. So I kind of just wanted to get back into the game, but really use my experience and kind of in a holistic way and started my programs. And so I started Rise and Shine, which is, which is uh, my youth program. Uh, we've developed into into three different programs now. We have DJ camps, leadership camps, and soccer camps. 
you know, as Omar knows, I was, I was always into other things. I was into the arts. I have a degree in industrial design. And so I was always kind of like moving into events and, and, and curated parties and, and all these other cool things that kind of in the art and culture world that I was, I was kind of moving into. And then, and then working with teenagers, you know, teenagers were always my, my kind of real niche as to who I wanted to work with from a developmental standpoint. I mean, the professional game and the and, and the and the developmental standpoints, I think, are, are two different vehicles, in all honesty. You have your development systems, and then you have your professional system. And, you know, I didn't want to stay in the pros at the time. I wanted to get out. I was I had had 12 years of really just, I always talked about, like, having, having somebody else had to tell me what time I had to get up every day. For 340 days a year, somebody else told me what time I had to be somewhere. And I kind of wanted, I wanted to get out of that schedule. And so if I stayed in coaching, I would have just gone right into that same schedule and just been an assistant somewhere or, and I would have been on that same schedule. And so for me, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to pull the shoot, get out, kind of spread my wings in other directions. And then, uh, and then really start to focus on that kind of teenage, teenage youth, youth holistic kind of development stuff. Interesting. So the, the, uh, the I mean, I remember you, you became an ambassador for the Whitecaps. That never really was a thing. Like what happened there? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, y'all, I'll tell you what happened. I, I mean, the, the Whitecaps. I, I mean, they offered me a deal that I had to refuse. It, you know, okay. you, you have uh, you have value in this life, and you know, I had I had uh, I had already given them back some of it because when I retired, remember, I I, I ruptured my perineal after I had come back from an ruptured Achilles yeah. so my same ankle so I knew that after my perineal went I knew I had one working tendon in my left ankle like I'm not going to be making plays anymore so I knew kind of mortally that my my career was done in a way that helped that helped me put the ball away a little bit maybe faster because I knew that my body wasn't capable of doing things and sometimes mentally that's a little bit easier than trying to you know be on that roller coaster of like am I good enough still can I still make the plays? Am I still, you know, capable of being the player and the leader that I wanted to be? And th- that answer was just no. So it was pretty clear to me, but it was like three months into the season. And so I had like, I don't know, 180 grand left in my contract or something. And so I was like, all right, I'll be a good captain. This, this is like me. Like, you know, I'm like, I'll be a good captain and I'll like get off the books so we could bring in Kendall Waston, which is exactly what happened. So Kendall was a fantastic player. He was really, really like a like for like, player like someone and I didn't want to just get off the books and be like oh good luck guys like I wanted to have a player that was quality to come in and and, and replace me and so Kendall was on was on the table and he need they needed the salary cap room so I was like okay I'll get off the salary cap I'll move into an ambassadorship for the rest of the season and then we'll refocus for next year so in true MLS (laughs) you know especially Vancouver fashion they're like okay cool we'll see you at that season we'll give you half pay so they come back and they offered me for the new season 70 appearances, 7-0 for $21,000. That's that's ridiculous. Wow. And I don't okay. know if you guys have been to Vancouver, Scott, you haven't been to Vancouver, but like uh, a a beer is 15 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. like how am I going to do that on 300 bucks an appearance? Tim Horton's gift cards driving a Kia like you know what I mean like I get it but I'm not I'm not doing that I'm not I'm not doing that and I didn't want to 
And so I left very, and, and they just, did, none, of the, none of the administrators would sit with me and talk to me about the contract. And I later found out, and this is what, this is what pisses me off about the game sometimes, is just the lack of communication and the transparency between managers, clubs, and players. Like, I'm sure this happened to you, Omar, in your exits too. It's like, people tell you one thing, they tell each other one thing in the club, and then you think something else. Like, not the transparency is never really black and white. It's like, it's never really, never, never really cohesive. And so, come to find out later that it was just Carl Robinson wanted, wanting a leadership change. Because I was the last one left. Uh, you know, I was the first one in, and then, like, John Thornton left, and then Jack, Terry Dunfield left, and Joe Cannon left. Everyone wanted to stay, but they let everyone leave. And so I was the last one there. And so instead of just telling me, Jay, we're changing the leadership group. Like, that's sports, man. Like, that's management. That is, that's pro. Like, whatever. Like, I know this. I come from England. Like, they don't give a shit. Like, they'll tell you right away. And it'd be like, oh, leadership change, mate. Like, see ya. Good luck. But they didn't, they didn't say that here. And so they just offered me the worst deal on the history of deals. And I had to kind of like limp away and start my own thing because they just didn't want to be transparent to say we want leadership change and so that that was the frustrating part about my exit but either way it gave me the it gave me the experience to kind of do my own thing which which turned out to be the biggest blessing that i ever had because rise and shine is really um and scott we talked about this on my on the podcast earlier it's really kind of it's so much bigger than the sport now like rise and shine isn't just soccer program like it, it, it's a it's a development program and, and and we just the last two years we've been building an app with ea that's going to be like masterclass but for teenagers and so it's like gamified learning from brands and celebrities and really cool information and things but it's fun and it's and it's gamified and so it's interesting education for young players for young people that really want to start to develop their own mental health and, and their own self-leadership qualities and so that if I if I'd still be working as an ambassador, I never would have done any of this stuff. So for me, I think it it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. No. Yeah. I to echo what what you said. I would say the same thing, and I think I talked about this in our last conversation. One of my biggest issues about exiting or just being involved in team or with a coach was the fact that in a lot of cases the coaches or management was never honest or straightforward. Where as you experienced that, that would make me more upset than if they just told me, look, you're not good enough. We don't want you here, which is fine. You take it to the gym and you move on. But when they like go, you know, in circles and make up different excuses, that's kind of what, you know, makes you a little upset, which, yeah, I'm surprised that, I mean, we we're or the majority of coaches are play, ex players. I'm surprised that they didn't experience the same thing and then go into coaching and understand that, you know, Going around things just makes it worse. I, I mean, if I were to be a coach right now, I feel like I would want to be honest the entire time. And I don't know, I, Jay, I don't know how you would have felt as a coach, but yeah, I feel like well, I would it's have the same. Yeah, and I agree. Like, I wish, I wish that there would, there's more of that, you know, and, and I would be like that, you know, like at the end of the day, it saves everyone a lot of trouble and a lot of mind stuff, right? Because when you don't know and you live in this indecisive world, you make up your own stories instead of just what is it? How can I deal with it and move on? Like you said, like, even if it's a punch in the face, cool, just punch me. And then I know, you know what I mean? Like, but if you, yeah, I, I, yeah. I do feel like, and again, I'm just an MLS story, just like most of the, and I'm not going to say it's the league. I'm not going to say it's the league, but I might say it's the league. And because I'm not, I'm just a story up in Vancouver. I know guys that have been released from millions of clubs all across North America and they're all similar. 
similar type of things, you know, little transparency, didn't tell me, offered me the worst deal ever. Like there's, I was just another example. And, and I think, you know, I think, but, but again, we're new. I think we always have to remember that, you know, like MLS culture is, it's, it's 40 years old or sorry, not even, I mean, sorry, North American soccer is 1974. Yeah. White caps, you know, like we, we, we're just starting to figure out how to do this stuff over here. And so I, I do kind of blame that a little bit, but I also just blame the transparency. And I do think that like, you know, I look at the way like John Thornton, again, I, I, I say him because he left and now he's at winning championships at LAFC as a GM. Like in the way that they run that place is very transparent. Steve Trundolo, a guy I played with, like I really respect the way that LAFC is running things these days and the way that they created a, a club environment and a community place and a cultural piece. And I think like I look to them as a way that like this is the way it should be done now. And I but I don't think there's enough clubs doing that. No, I agree. I think as more of our generation retires, I think the culture will change because they've done it so much. I mean, I still had, you know, teammates two, three years ago that you know, the same situation that happened to you happened to them where, you know, their careers ended and then they were offered, you know, chunk change, basically nothing to continue as ambassadors. And I mean it it was basically just a way of getting rid of them being with 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 them being somewhat nice, not really offering them anything. But yeah, uh-huh. you turn around, you say it's the same thing. Yeah, it's just, it's not good. But yeah, I, I think with time, it will change for sure. I think, uh-huh. especially your generation, I mean, yeah, it will, I think the coaches, it'll come on like Steve, like John Thornton. I mean, yeah, they're, they're changing things at these clubs and making them you know, great, I think. And so yeah. now I want to talk, I want to talk about how you left. How did you, how did, <laughs> how did it all work with you? Well, I, I don't think, yeah, you, you, you had retired by then, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you knew me, I was kind of a little, little brat when I was 20 years old, a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> I left because, uh, at a, at a training session, this was, I think three, four since the season, um, they brought up a, I don't remember what his name, but a kid from, from the Academy and he slide tackled me and I thought it was a foul and, um, Purdy, the coach Purdy, which was there. Uh, didn't call the foul and kind of looked at me and you know made a face whatever. So in the next play, I took that guy out. I just like slide tackled him hard and took him out. And Purdy came up to me and pushed me. I I pushed him, and we got into a discussion. And I got suspended for two weeks and sold two weeks later to Tigres, basically. Or not really. That's not how it happened. I was suspended for two weeks, and then the season ended. Um, and again little transparency on what was going to happen. I wanted to go to Tigres, and in the end, they traded me to New York City FC, and New York City FC ended up uh, selling me to Tigres right at, like, a day later. But, yeah, it all it all happened because at the end, you know, my fault, because, I mean, you, you, kinda, you knew me very well. I, you know, I, I want to keep my, uh, my cool very much at times, and uh, I lost it in that practice, and that's kind of what, yeah, blew it all up a little bit. Well, I remember, you know, I, I do talk about you sometimes when I'm, when I talk about a lot of this development stuff and, and again, I, I mean, I think you're, I think you're, again, you were in such a unique space, you know, like as a 17 year old first round draft pick, like that, like nobody does that. No, like very few players have that path. You know what I mean? And so you were in this unique headspace to, you know, you came out of this place, like, you know, you were playing in, in, in World Cups and you were you were doing well. And I remember, do you remember that? I, I always talk about our conversation on the bus in Seattle when we were, when, <laughs> when, when, when you, you answer your, you remember your, 
your dad called and you're like, I'm not going to answer it. I just don't want to talk to him because I don't want to talk about like that I suck. And I was like, do you think that you suck? And you're like, well, yeah, kind of like it's just kind of one of those things. It's like I can't really find my feet. And and I think it was because you were in a headspace because when you came into the league, you had a lot of these European clubs that were looking at you. Yeah. And so instead of instead of being in the moment of I'm a Vancouver Whitecap first round draft pick, I'm going to do my best here and then expand in your brain. And again, you weren't mature enough to understand the difference that the, the, the you were already at Arsenal. You were already thinking you were over there because of those yeah. whispers, because of those kind of mindset things that you were that you were experiencing. And, and I think it didn't allow you to really accept the experience in Vancouver. And so in a way, it made you angry. And then you got injured. And then injuries make you angry because the last thing any player that only knows how to play wants to do is play. And then all of yeah. a sudden, that doesn't happen. And then you're injured. And then that doesn't happen. And then you can't play because of that, too. And then it was like this compounding thing that was just frustrating you and frustrating you. And, I, and again, I remember like having whether it was on the field where we would be nose to nose going same thing that Mark Purdy and I were doing. And and I remember like just trying to work with you and understand like, you know, like it's, it's, it's almost like a, a pathway where it's like, we're, we're, we're thinking we're somewhere else, but we're actually here now. And, yeah. and I think, you know, you had to learn that you had to learn it the hard way, unfortunately, you, you know, yeah. and that was, that was for me from a leadership perspective was really interesting because I didn't, I'd come from, you know, a, a place like, like Watford where, you know, I was playing with 30 year old pros. MLS was a totally dis- different being. And this is, again, this is long ago, but like, you know, when I came in as, as so-called the leader and captain, I was like, okay, now I'm playing with 10 guys that have come up from the bottom league in, in the MLS. So these are guys that are, you know, again, no disrespect to their talent, but they were just, they were just new to the professional game. And then we had a core leadership group like the Joe, Joe Cannons and John Thorntons and Terry Dunfields and Davide and those, and those guys. And then we had a good young group like Russell and yourself and, and, and those guys. And so like for me as a, man, as, a, as a manager and as a captain, like it was really challenging for those first couple of years for me. But in a way, it was I looked at back at that time now from a leadership perspective. And it was like my greatest leadership development time of my life because I had to yeah. get I had to go back to the drawing board. I had to really think about leadership and I had to think about how do you build teams? How do you build a team where like none of us have ever played together before? Like that's rare. That's so rare in this game, like expansion franchises. All of a sudden you got 25 guys that have never even trained together before. Like how are we going to go win a game in three weeks? Like how does that happen? And I think it was challenging for all of us. Was that challenging for you when you came in? Yeah. I mean, not just because you're on the call. I think when I look back in my career, I mean, you look at things differently and, and from a different lens, I would say, you know, by far the best leaders that I had um, as captains on team were Jay Demerit and my last team I had Chiro um, in, in El Paso, which was also very good. Very similar leadership um, type. I mean, yeah, it, it just it gave you a sense of security and confidence to be able to have someone like that on the team um, that, you know, in a lot of the other teams that I played on didn't really – exists or it just wasn't there um in vancouver i think you had it the most difficult job in the world because we were brand new there was nothing um right before we started really i mean they, i guess they had played in usl but nothing really existed i mean we changed in i mean the first year i, I don't even remember what it was but it was basically in back of a, a temporary stadium that had really i mean 
we didn't have the great the greatest of facilities, the greatest of uh, yeah of a support system for for Jay and the rest of the group. And um, even though I, you know, we didn't do as well as as we hoped, I thought that um, yeah, Jay specifically did the best that he could with what he got what he had, um, and that was pretty much not a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So for me, it was it was difficult, but having someone like Jay around, which obviously really helped me out through my first three, four years um, in the league, helped me quite a bit. Yeah, mentally, especially because, I mean, yeah, at times I would lose it, and Jay was right behind me the entire time. Um, yeah, kind of always had my back, and that always gives me that sense of confidence, security that you know, there's always someone there in case something goes wrong, and um, that'll back you. So yeah. Well, I also think that, like, and I look back on that time, and 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 I think it's important, and I and I would say, like, just from a leadership perspective, and again, this is a podcast, and there's a lot of people that play, and a lot of people that are leaders within their clubs, and I think, you know, really taking more attention to young players, really understanding what they're going through, you know what I mean? And I think that was one thing that I always, I always had a soft spot for Omar because he was. You know, he was he was a kid. He was seventeen. You know, like what a challenge. Like I I, I do think I, I was I remember always putting myself into his shoes and going, Imagine if I was seventeen. Like what the hell was I thinking? Like I always think I was just trying to like, you know, trying to figure out what university to go to or what I was even gonna study. Like I don't know how to I don't know how to have like a hundred and grand, hundred and fifty grand signing bonus and all the like what no matter no wonder why why you know, you were dealing with it the way that you dealt with it. You know, again, like that, what it's a, again, 0% of teenagers are going through that. Like, and again, so I kind of always had to try to have that respect for you, even though I didn't agree with maybe what are the ways that you were acting or the way that you were acting out, but it didn't mean that you weren't right too, because you just knew what you knew. And that was like this, a young experience trying to deal with all this bright lights and all the noise and all the pressures. And, and again, like it's easy when the players play. Again, when you don't play, that's when it really starts to go internal. And then it starts to go like, am I capable of doing this? And then it starts to get into like, then you got injured. And then it was more like lashing out. And then it was more like, you know, just these episodes of of you just trying to figure it out. And and, and in a way, it was like, it was so great for me to to be in there with you and and, and, and understand it with you and, and try to understand where you were. And I, I do, I remember that bus conversation and, and just really just having you go into your own head of like, do, am I am I supposed to be here? Do I want to be here? Like, I don't know. Like my dad, like, I don't know. I don't really want to talk to anyone about it. You know what I mean? But it was like, you know, I wish there's more better support system for our young players because they need it. Like at the end of the day, like I, again, you tell me Omar, but like, I, do you, I, do you feel like you had enough support or understanding like outside of me? Like, I feel like clubs could do a better job. I feel like if there are young players coming through, like, can we do a better job of like nurturing these types of talents instead of going, you need to make it now. And if you don't make it, then sit on the bench and shut the hell up. You know, like that's not cool either because yeah. that's not the way to deal with a young player. That's just trying to make it in this life. You know what I mean? Like, and, and isn't to the level of professionalism yet that actually understands it. Cause they haven't been through the ringer of professionalism. That's going to harden you up or going to make you understand where the values live. And I think, you know, I think that was definitely uh, uh, the case with you and, Sometimes I look back and I just wish the club or like maybe some of the other people could have done a better job of, of nurturing you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's clubs that deal with it a lot better than others. Um, Vancouver having been an expansion team in that time, um, I think definitely didn't help. But in reality, 
I, I, I think that, you know, the kids that end up starting at 17 and doing really well are kids that understand the situation that they're in. I had no idea where I was. When I look back and like, look at what I was doing, I, I did not really understand what was going on. I didn't really understand the opportunity that was presented to me at 17 years old. I didn't, yeah, I, I really couldn't tell where I was. Whereas if it would have happened at 23, 24, 25, my reaction would have been much different than at that time. I mean, I, I would have had the maturity to understand the opportunity that I had and the ability to react to the situation that, that was presented to me. I mean, you, like you said, our careers were so different. You started later and I mean, had an incredible career. Um, contrary to, you know, mine started at basically at the top of MLS, you could say, and it slowly, you know, slowly fell down. Whereas yours, you know, you climbed from nothing to the highest level um, there is in the world at that point. So um, I, I guess for you, you could probably say different that at 25, 26, when you started, you felt like you had the maturity and the ability to understand like, you know, this, this is all I've gotten. I have one shot. Whereas for me, I thought, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I look back and I didn't even know what I thought because I, you know, uh -huh. I was just stuck in the moment, didn't really realize what, what was happening, what was going on. Um, you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, that was an incredible opportunity that I, I missed, but I missed because I was so young. I mean, there was nothing really I could do to, to, to change it in a way. I, I just didn't understand it. But yeah, uh -huh. what, 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 do you, what would you say your perspective was it starting out later on in your career at 25, 26? Do you think there's an advantage to starting out a little later? I mean, what do you think for, what do you think your career would have been if you started out 17? Again, like, I guess we only we only know what we know, and 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 I and I guess for me because I started on that holistic side. So again, I have I had a degree, I I I was trained in the arts, and so like even sports and arts don't really mix. Like I was yeah. this unique anomaly, kind of my whole life about whatever whatever it was, and so I think you know maturity is one thing, and, and experience is the other. So it's like, are are you mentally and and, and emotionally capable? And then, like, where is your professionalism and where are you on that scale? It's like, you know, it depends on, you know, in England, when I was captain in the clubs there, I mean, we're signing kids at nine. And so if you think of a 17-year-old in England, because he's been in the program from nine to 17, like, technically, you can kind of get a mature person at 17. Yeah. But again, it depends on the culture and where you're at, because in America, that didn't exist, right? Because we have a college system. And so in a way it's like, okay, college, college teaches you certain things. One is like how to manage sports, time, class. Like that's really the best thing a college athlete can do is management of that. It's the management of self. It's the management of time because you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and you want to, you want to be social. Cool. Well, okay. How do you manage that time with your training schedule? Okay. Now I got to go to class too. And I got to do well because I got to play and I don't play unless I have an academic score that's good enough. So in a way, college is a great kind of buffer for that maturity that I think we all need to go to. Again, you, you started that as a professional. Normally you would have gotten that as a, as a freshman at Texas A&M, you know what I mean? And you would have played four years and at 22, you would have been like, Oh, okay. I know how to manage my time, my energy and my emotions. And now I can go out there and do that and then and, and get drafted like most of the other guys do. And so I think, I mean, to your point, I think, is there a way that you could like 
we as managers or, 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 or things in the future, like I always look at that too, like, what would I do now? And it was like, I would almost look at that as like, as a 17 year old, if we draft them, it's like, they're coming to school. It's not, they're a pro yet. It's like, okay, you're not going to play right away. This is what's going to go on. Like really painting the picture of the realities of a 17 year old to 20 and say, listen, why don't we start a three-year plan? So by the time you're 20, you're a starter and you're a contributor and you're happy to be here. Like, yeah. imagine that. Imagine if we could just, like, create programs for that echelon of person, the ones that have to skip college because they're that good. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's where I look at the solutions. It's, like, really micromanaging the personalities and the time frame of that. Because if you if you skip that 17 to 22 period where you are learning about yourself and, 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 and doing these things, then, you know, you're missing a whole part of development that I think is so important to the road. And I had that. I was already developed. I didn't turn pro until I was 23. And so, you know, you didn't have to tell me who I was. You didn't have to, you didn't have to say, Hey, what other skills do you have? You, you didn't have to say like, Hey, can you be on time? Oh, Hey, can you listen to coaches? Can you be coachable? Like I had all those things because from 17 to 23, I was just, I was just at the bottom of the barrel scraping and trying to make it and trying to survive and trying to build a mentality around adversity. Because adversity really is our greatest teacher. It's our greatest character builder. It's when the shit goes wrong. It's when the shit hits the fan. It's when adversity starts to hit. And again, Omar, I, I can't imagine like your adversities that you had that have made you the person that you are right now that allowed you to you know, expand out of post-career and become the, the person that you are now. Like I think that those types of things, those adversities that you had made you realize that this is way more important now. But you know, again, like, it's almost flipping of the coin of, what, of our stories. You know, I, what you're doing now is what I was doing at 17. And then now, you know what I mean? So again, like, I do think that our stories are always subjective and it's, it, and we have to be careful to compare ourselves to other people. Like it just doesn't exist. Like trying to be like somebody else is just, it's just a waste of your own time. You only have one vessel and you only have one journey. And all the other people are just support systems. They're not you. They're not people we're trying to be like, I'm trying to be the best version of me. But I had to learn how to be the best version of me by the time I was 23. So then when I hit it and I actually hit the hit the home run, I hit the ground running. I was capable. I had skills. I could talk. I was communicative. I had been through all of the adversities in the world. So I was so happy to be there. I was never letting that opportunity slip. I was never going to let that career go, go, go to the wayside because I didn't know anything different. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And that development side that you're talking about, I think – when I mean, the, the first three, four years that we were there, we had four or five coaching changes. And that's also very difficult. Um, I mean, for you as well. But for me, it was difficult because there was always someone new that had a different game plan, had different players, had a different mindset. And when a new coach comes in, it's basically like a tryout, you know, for most players, at least, you know, it's, it's, it's his player. He'll probably bring in his players and the ones that stay are the ones that he slowly, you know, starts having confidence in, but, um, as a 17, 18 year old kid, that was one of the, I guess one thing that I look at and I'm like, that was difficult was every coaching change that we had throughout the first three, four years, specifically the first one, which was the one that drafted me in, you know, mm -hmm. 10 games in was fired. So, um, the coach that had all the confidence in me was let go. And the guy that was left in, I, I knew didn't really have the same confidence in me just you know, pr even prior to the draft. Um, so I guess that part was difficult for sure. Um, and I mean, looking at your story, for example, like you said, everyone has a different character, diff 
different way of dealing with things. Um, me as a 17 year old kid, I was not mature enough to, to deal with the adversity that was presented to me. Whereas, you know, I looked at you, I looked up to you as a 17 year old kid and I looked at you and, you know, it seemed like you, you had it all figured out. You know what I mean? It, no matter what happened, you could have figured out for me, it didn't seem that way. I mean, it seemed like the end of the world, anything, anything wrong, if anything went wrong for me, it, it seemed like the end of the world. Whereas for you, you know, just seemed like you had all you had it all figured out so i was trying to get there in a way that in through a path that i didn't really know how to climb that makes sense but yeah i mean I, i'm i'm sure um kids that learn from you could learn a lot more um from you than from anyone else in in the soccer football world i would say well you know i always I, i've always pride myself on that experience so you know because i had to take the hard road what that does is that allow you to to create a lot of adverse experiences that allow you to help lead. You know, you know nothing surprised me. You're right. Like, because by the time I was there, I'd been through so many situations from just you know sleeping in an attic in England, trying to make it, playing forty, playing for forty bucks. Like, and then you know, all of a sudden you go play in a World Cup final and you play every every minute of a World Cup and you're marking the best players in the world and you're doing well. And then you're coming into leadership roles like captaincies and things like that. And and again, because I had degrees and I had these other things, like I was just a skilled person at the end of the day. And this is like, this is really where my focus goes now with development programs. Like, why aren't we developing? And this is why I love what Omar did post career too. It's like, he went and developed a bunch of new skills. And that is, that's not easy to do either. Because that takes dropping your ego and going like, damn, like I actually have to go do and be something else. All professionals have to go through that mindset shift. And you know, I remember when you came out of the game and I, you know, I've, I've kind of just stayed from afar and, you know, send you some fire emojis and some clapping and stuff like that. But like, you know, all of us have to go through those transitions. And I think, you know, because I had transitioned a lot of those things earlier in my life, it allowed my professional experience to be more complete, to be more like headstrong because I had done all the things that a lot of other footballers might wish they could have done or might maybe wish that they should have done to create like a soft skill set, a durable skill set. You know, again, I always talk about durable skills in our programs because durable skills are like, again, how do you, how do you be emotionally okay? Like, how do you show up on time? What are your other skills like communicating? What are your other skills like, you know, what do you do off the ball that makes you want the ball when you come back to the training field? Because a lot of players, they're so obsessed with the ball and they're so obsessed with the career and the sport that they're like, holy shit, like, what else can I do? And then it freaks them out because they don't have any other skills that are going to allow them to walk into this world with confidence instead of, oh, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my God, I don't actually have any other skills. How am I going to walk into this world and feel like I'm a normal person or a confident person? Because all I know is that ball over there. And now that ball over there is not paying me. So I don't know what the hell to do. And this is like, this is a real problem because I feel like not enough players get that in the beginning of their careers to actually find these skills that they know they're going to be okay if the career got taken away. And I, yeah. I, because I had those other skills, because I built them, I just never took my career for granted. But I knew if my career was over tomorrow, I'd be fine because I had these other durable skills that I had developed by my crazy story of not getting picked and having to do all these things and find education and find, find experience in other dimensions. And so I don't know. I think it just it served me early, um, but it also... I just wish that there there was more of that in the development side of the game. Yeah, I agree. As as a 
young professional player, 16, 17, 18, coming into a league, it is uh, difficult to understand what it is that you're going to do after you retire. And for me, that was um, probably one of the most difficult um, things to understand is I, you know, my first three years, I had a guaranteed contract. I did not know what the future held for me after those first three years. You know, and, and one of my biggest worries was if I'm not good enough, what am I going to do? As a 17-year-old, you're, you know, you don't understand that there's a whole world ahead of you and then you can do other things. I was, you know, sincerely worried of what was, what was next for me if this didn't work out. And I mean, it, it all slowly came into place, but, um, it was difficult to understand at the time and, and really decipher what exactly that future looked like for me. Um, and yeah, like you said, for you at 33, 34, you kind of already knew it. I mean, how was the transition for you from your retirement into the real world? Was it difficult? Do you miss soccer? Like, what do you, how do you feel? I would about say it? I, the only thing I miss is Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. game day buzz, that walking into the stadium, that calm before the storm, that walking the teams out when the stadium's live, like that stuff you can't really replace. You know, yeah. I, you can walk into metaphorical stadiums like, you know, pitch meetings for a million dollars. Like that's a stadium technically in a business world and an entrepreneurial world, which I live in now, but it's not the same. It's just, no. it's just not, it's the energy is the same. And like, it's so funny. That's why I'm, it, that's why I run like music festivals and events because like, and I read this article on Shaq the other day, why Shaq DJs. So Shaq DJs, he hardly even gets paid. Like his, his fee for DJing is like nothing, but he does it because it's the, it's the only time that he can recreate game seven energy. And, and that's the only thing that I miss is those, that, that game energy, uh, like the training, all the other stuff. I don't, I don't really miss that schedule. Um, but the transition is hard because I don't, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know about, you know, pitch decks, financial literacy, like how to run a business, how to like, you know, being a leader in an, in an office is different than being a leader in, in on a field because yeah. the people are different. Yeah. Very they true. Are. They're just, they're, they're just different. The, the, the employees that I work with now are not high performance athletes. They're somebody that's trying to get a paycheck and a passion that they have had. And so it, it's, 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 it's a little bit different. I can't deal with the leadership that I deal with now is, is, is totally different than dealing with high performance athletes because they're, they're already dialed in with that approach. They're already, they like criticism. They, they, they are high performing people. And so with that in the real world, it's not as, it's not as high performing out there. You, you know yeah. what I mean? There, there'll be a couple people within the, within the setup that are high performance. And these are your teammates and people that I, you know, you can respect and love, but moving into the business world, that transition was hard for me because I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't talk to one of my employees. Like I could talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like we just did. Well, very true. Yeah, I, I would, I completely agree. What I miss the most is the competitive spirit that we all have. I mean, everyone's competing against each other every day. Whereas, you know, now I go into the office and, you know, it's just another normal day. There's no, there's no, you know, you don't get that feeling that you that you're talking about on Saturdays where it's like, you know, you're excited and you're you're pumped to play in the stadium with all these people and, um, yeah, compete against one another, which is. I guess what I miss the most, I mean, yeah, over anything, I miss the, the ability to compete every day. Now, mm. you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's repetitive. It's sort of repetitive every day in a way. And um, it's difficult to, to replicate the same level of competitiveness that we had throughout our, 
you know, in most of our lives. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how you do it, but me, sometimes I still play once in a while with, you know, wherever I can, wherever I can find some games I try to play and, um, well, my body just doesn't better. work very well. It doesn't? <laughs> I, you, my left, you, my left leg is still has one, one working tendon. So I, I get about 15 minutes before my, the front of my ankle joint starts to cramp up. Wow. It's so funny because, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw that seven on seven tournament last year, that TST. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm part of this sneaky Fox group, which is like Mike McGee and that whole crew of like XMLS players, Nick Romando, these guys. And you talk about that competitiveness. And I think, dude, we felt that for the first time in years, all of us, <laughs> you know, Mike retired, he starts a distillery and a sneaky Fox vodka. And he's like running bars and like running, running a vodka brand and like doing a great job, having great success. But like when all of a sudden we got like like twenty characters, all pros, <laughs> all ex MLS All Stars, MLS MVPs, Ramondos, Gordons, like these guys that have had great MLS careers. And all of a sudden, for four days, we got back in that locker room, and and again, I wasn't even playing. Like I I was the I, well, chief motivation officer was my Ted. <laughs> And so I come in and I'm just, I'm like the leader group. I'm like, I'm guy getting, I'm getting them pumped up. I'm doing the team talks. I'm, I'm keeping the mentality high. I'm doing the, you know, creating my, my captaincy stuff. And I'm telling you, like all of us just felt something we hadn't felt in years. And that's that competitiveness. This is the whole idea of like, we're with our bros and we have a, a set mindset of what it's supposed to be. And we got to go out there and compete now. And when, when we did that and all of a sudden we're coming in, we have feedback where guys are live and the guys are up for it. And it's like, like, that's what you miss. And yeah. sneaky box kind of gives us that. Man. And so for one week a year, I'm going to be a competitor <laughs> again. That's awesome. <laughs> so we're looking, we're looking forward to June. June's happening again. Sneaky Fox is coming back. We're going to do it. It's it, it. That's what you miss as a competitor for sure. All right. Well, if, if you need a, uh, if you need a left winger, I'm in dude. For, yeah. uh, for next year. <laughs> That's, that looks very fun. The 77 looked incredible. Yeah. That, it's just, it's just something that none of us have ever done because even indoor players, they play six on six and it's indoors and the goal's a little bit smaller. So this is seven on seven, a little bit bigger field, outdoor, but like playing with indoor players, beach soccer players, and outdoor soccer players. Like that never happened before. And then you have a 40 minute game with this thing called target score, which is like you have to end on a goal. And so if the, if you're winning 3-1 at the end of the regulation, you have to win 4-1. But if you if the, the team losing 3-1 can come back and win 4-3 if they keep scoring. And so it's like this unique thing like where it's like the pressure's on all of a sudden at the end of the game and you and, and it ends on a score so like it ends on like a party. It ends on like a yeah like a, a rush of the field with all the crew with all the crew, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And so like that's awesome. Game winning goal, game winning goal energy is is is, is pretty special. And so TST yeah, is bringing that back. So how did how did you get involved in that? Well, With Mike was building Mike? a team of, of ex pros, and he's like, "Do you want to play?" And so I started training. And so like I hadn't trained in years, and I was like, "No, this will get me back in the game." I started training, and I got to the point where I was strong. I got to the point where I could be fit, and then I started playing men's league games, and I would I would play one, and I would be like. <laughs> my fucking hamstring would be running like i'm like after i had to have the biggest ego check ever and i'm like so after about a three three months of training i was i had to call mike and i'm like mike i can't go dude i i said i can go once i said i can probably make it to the second game i said but by game three dude my hamstring is going to be broken 
my my I, I just I, <laughs> I, I just my body's not capable of 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 that. And so I had to do a real ego check. And he's like, well, just come off and on. And I'm like, no, I'm either all in or I'm all out, dude. Like that's that's just I know my personality. I know what I'm like. And I'm either in and I got to make the plays or I'm just not going to play. Like, that's just that's just me. I can't sit here and go go in gear two. Like, that's not how I work. I'm 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 either full throttle or I'm like, I'm cool yeah. over here motivating you guys to pull, to play full throttle. And so that's I had to park that ego and say, nope, I'm not I'm going to come in as a as a as a as a vibe guy and a manager guy and a theater guy. And it worked great. Like, in all honesty, like, I have that role for life now. Like, for real. Like, Mike's like, dude, I don't know what we would have done if you weren't there. Like, for real. Like, and, that's and again, awesome. that's my skill set. That's, that, that's what I am. It's, 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 it's who I am. And so, like, actually falling into those roles. And again, eventually I'd maybe like to be a manager. Like, I look at that sometimes post-career. I, I, you know, my, my son's only eight. I, you know, I know the schedule. And if I start traveling around and my, my, I'm already a co-parent, so I only get my kid half time. So it's like, I'm already like, I need to be a dad. And and and, yeah. I, and if I I know the schedule, if I go be a manager for the Whitecaps, I'm never going to see my kid, and and Very I don't want to do that. And so yeah. I maybe down the line though, because now that I'm back in those environments as like a coach and a leader, like I'm like okay, I, I get that now. Like I, 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 it's nice to be back to that. But I think maybe down the line, maybe maybe in like five six years when my son's like a teenager and doesn't want to hang out with me anymore, <laughs> uh, like. You know, that's, that's when I'll be like, cool, well, if you play, I'll go play for this team and you can either play for me or we can be in the same same profession. Yeah. I can see you as a coach. I feel like you'd be a very good one. I mean, I, I do you have your license or no? No. And so that's the, that's the other thing I got to I gotta do. I mean, I, I do coach. I mean, I, I, run, I run leadership programs. And so for me, that's my passion. It's just really getting the most out of people. Like, again, holistic skill set for me is the only way. And, and it's not just like trying to nurture soccer players. Like for me, it wasn't enough. And that's why I started yep. my own programs. And that's why I didn't want to just go work for the Whitecaps. Because I'm like, I'm in, in the way I look at development, it has to be holistic. It has to be multiple skill sets in one opportunity place, one high performance place. And, and so that's what kind of my programs I've been building for the last seven years. It's, it's high performance mindset training built by professionals that are pros in a bunch of different fields. And so by the end of my four-day program, a soccer player will learn masterclass soccer lessons from me. But then they get like, how do you fly a plane with a, with a pilot? How do you cook a meal with a chef? And then how do you build a character uh, with an animator from EA? Like, and all of a sudden these kids are leaving a four-day program and they're like, I can be anything. I can do any. I like video games. I like That's music. Crazy. I like sports. Like, why can't I do all that stuff? And I'm like, yes, why can't you? Your program's telling you you can. I'm telling you that you can because you should. Because most of the time, you're not going to be that thing you think you are. And that's the reality of development. Like most of us think we're going to be something that we will never be. And, 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 and that's the reality of development. And, and, and unfortunately, we don't sell, and especially in the sporting world, we, don't, we sell that Kool-Aid to be a pro. But we, we don't tell them the 99.1% that you aren't going to be. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the reality. <laughs> And, 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 and we're not telling that and we're not building that mindset into our programs. And so for me, that that's where my mindset is in our programs. But eventually, like this program that I'm building now can plug into any club, yeah. any club. And I always talk about this all the time. Like if you look at any club and you look at the field and you look at the border around that field, there's a bank, there's a medicine, there's a law office, there's a, a, a drink company, there's a bar, like a bar restaurant. 
Like think about just those professions alone and the companies that are on those boards that are already paying the club. Why aren't the club opening up the doors to those 20 brands to go, hey, 17-year-old, if you make it, good for you. We're here to develop you. But in the meantime, when you get home from training at 2 o'clock every day and you got all the rest of the day, like what are you doing? You're playing FIFA with the guys you just trained with or you're going to your cactus club trying to hit on chicks. Like I get it. That's cool. But you're not developing and going into your future. Like it's not working that way. And so I, I get Very mad true. at the clubs, dude. I, I do. I, I, it's not for me. It's not the kids' fault. It's, it's, the, it's the programs. And so, like, why aren't the programs opening up those doors? Why aren't they opening up like light internship fields for like one, two, three days a month? That 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old is choosing which of those brands they want to work with based on their own interests, and then they're getting light work. So then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm 23 and I don't have a contract anymore. I'm like, oh, well, cool. I want to go, go work for that brand that, I, that I've been kind of touching on over the last couple of years. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, I can open up my door and give an, a, an employee that has a high-performance mindset because they've just been a professional athlete. Oh, my God. Like, everybody wins in that situation. They're getting a great employee that knows how to be on time, be coachable, and be a badass. And yet that badass is now walking into a new career going, oh my God, I didn't have to transition. I didn't have to go through these mental health doldrums of identity crisis. Like, imagine. Very true. No, I, that would be incredible. I think the most difficult, I mean, not only myself, but everyone that I've seen slowly retire, the most difficult part about retiring from sports or being pushed out is that identity crisis that you initially go through. It is very difficult to transition from everyone knowing you as a professional soccer player to whatever it is that you'll be next. I mean, that, that is the most difficult part. Have you ever talked to the league or any team about this program or these programs that you, you're, you would, you would offer? That'd be awesome. Not, I'm trying to plug my phone in cause it might die. Um, no worries. I, I'm talking at MLS next now, right? So MLS next is this, you know, it's, it's 159 clubs all around North America. It's kind of like the feeder program of, of, of what it is. So Luis Robles, I don't know if you met Luis. He's a goalkeeper. He played for the national team yeah. for a while. He's running yeah. it now. And so our app, and so our digital program is, is basically it's all around like finding through a digital realm. So if you guys know Masterclass, so it's like Gordon Ramsay teaches you how to cook. Like Steph Curry teaches you how to play basketball. Serena Williams teaches you how to play tennis. And so it's like with young people now, the celebrity approach of teaching is actually valid. Like no one wants to learn from Mr. Johnson, the professor that has three degrees. They want to learn from the rock Johnson because he's got 500 million followers and he's a badass. like for real, like he's the educator now. And so if we can start to shift those types of things and then bring in a holistic education training through those environments, like, again, look at the sponsors, look at EA, like EA's our partner in this, in this app, but like they were on the walls at the white caps. What did we do with EA? Nothing. We were on the cover of a fake video game as a, as a group, and we did one event around it. Like, that's it? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we need to go deeper, and, 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 and we don't do that enough. And I think that, you know, that, that's where I think the future lives. It's like, why don't we do better holistic training programs for our kids while they're in the programs already? Like, I'm not trying yeah. to tell, I'm not, we're not trying to be dream killers. We're trying to help the next dream be possible because they don't have to go through this whole, like, mental health you know conundrum of finding yourself very true yeah 
That's true. So Luis Robles is running MLS next now. Is uh, he's yeah he's I don't know if he's running it, but he's 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 basically one of the decision makers. So I've i we we're basically talking to them right now at becoming a digital learning program for MLS next. And so rise and shine That'd would be, be perfect. A, a, again we're just plugging in already existing programs. We're not we're not actually we're not trying to change things because MLS doesn't want to change. They just, they want it to be theirs. And so it's like, we have to create infiltration systems into the already existing big juggernaut of a youth program. That's the system. And, and so that's kind of what my goal is, is to create a digital program that we can plug into any club anywhere and then provide a holistic digital experience while the kids are still trying to train every day. That's awesome. Dude. That's really cool. And so where are you now? Are you still in Vancouver? Where are you I am, based? yeah. So I split my okay. time between Whistler and Van Oaks. My, my son is in in Whistler. Um, okay. So I, nice. I, I co-parent with Ashley. We, we, we still get along great. Like, we're still a great family. <laughs> we're, just, we're just not together. Um, but uh, it's, it's yeah, so I'm a dad. I'm a dad half-time. And, and then I build this other youth program development stuff, uh, entrepreneurial things in my other time. And so I stay busy. I'm a busy guy. I like being busy. I don't, I don't like being yeah. bored. Um, I remember. So... That's you're, always you were always up and around everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you knew everyone in the city. <laughs> well, yeah, still do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's what's your favorite spot in Vancouver nowadays? I haven't been. Uh, well, I mean, I don't years. really go out like nightclubs anymore. Like I'm kind of beyond no. that now. But uh, restaurant. What about just uh, going out for a day? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I still like uh, um, I like I like Cardano's like down by the water there. Okay. Uh, just in the in the harbor, I like. I'm a Gastown guy. I, I'm always in Gastown, so there's like pop Are, culture down here. I work with still, this brand called O'Neill's. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm still in my Gastown place. That's awesome. Man. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So you so work I, with who? Sorry. Uh, I work with this Irish brand called O'Neill's, and they're. Uh, um, so they got a couple Irish pubs down here in Gastown. So they there are. They, they're our jersey sponsor and hoodie sponsors for our for my camps, and so I I hang That's out awesome. with some of the Irish guys. I still like to crush a can of Guinness and watch uh, watch some footy, so I still get into that. Where, where where are the majority of your camps? Are they in Vancouver, in the Vancouver area, or do you go around the country? And um, I've done them in five five cities now in North America, uh, but generally okay. the programs here uh, it's in Whistler, Whistler, Vancouver, and then I've done them in Squamish. So I, I own a property now in Squamish, like on the oh, beach, wow. so we have like land up there. So I've been okay. doing some because I always like to bring in the nature element too. Like BC is the best nature in the world, so like having kids get outside and in the mountains and stuff is always it's always fun for me to kind of get the kids out of their out of their zones of what they normally do. So we add the nature element in as well and uh, and make the most of it. That's awesome. So it, you plan on staying in Vancouver at least for the foreseeable future and becoming the uh, head coach for. Uh... The Whitecaps, maybe the president <laughs> at some point. Well, I don't think they'd hire. I don't. To be honest, I don't think they'd hire me. I think we need to have a new ownership group before they would bring me back in. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, uh, who knows? Like my my biggest pipe dream ever is that I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna make this app go and make a bunch of money and then buy the club and then do it properly. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, so so you didn't end on the best of terms with Vancouver's uh, ownership group. Not really. No, I didn't. And, and, and again, we kind of just like, we kind of just skirt around and like, I, I'll see, I'll see them and I'll say hi, but I don't, they don't really say hi and I don't really say hi. And I'm like, Hey, I'm in the stadium, but good to wow. see you. Good to see you. And that's, that's just the way it is. And you know, at the end of the day, it's the way it is. And, and, and that's okay. Like I, again, I'm, I'm not a, I'm always a fan. I always love this club. The club is always bigger than the people. That is, that's, it's, it's the fact. And so I live there. I don't burn bridges. I'm not a bridge burner and I'm not a shit talker. So like, I'm not. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. 
um, because there's great fans and there's still great people within the organization. And so I just stay there and I, and I, and I raise my hand and I shake hands and I take pictures and I, and I say, what's up. And then I leave and I, and I don't, I don't give them any more of my time. <laughs> Do you still go to the games or no? Yeah. Oaks likes to go. He's starting Oaks. My, he's, he's eight now. So he's starting to get into the game a little bit more. I don't want to push it on him. The game, the ball's always been there. If it's, it's his show, it's not mine. So it's, uh, I, to see him kind of starting to like the game a little bit more, he's starting to want to come to the games a little bit more. So I'll go with him. Uh, I, I kind of, I'll develop with him. And, and if he gets older and I, and I get my badges and I start to move into coaching, which is kind of my plan long-term, we'll kind of take it from there. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, it was, what about you? What's your, what are your next steps? Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm living in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I, I just, gra- I graduated law school in May and took a job at a firm in uh, Columbus um, and I moved there three months ago. So I've been there for the last three months. It's been good, man. I, I enjoy it. It's not bad. It's a, it's a cool city. It's, I think it's an underrated city for sure. The majority of people, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of good jokes about Ohio, but, um, <laughs> Don't think, but isn't, that, isn't that the Vegas of the Midwest though? It is. I think it is, man. I, I really like it. I would say it compares to Austin, Texas a little bit. I mean, it's got the, it's got Ohio state there. You know, there's a lot of young adults. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's a cool place. Have you spent much time there? Or no. Uh, only through like you remember Michael Nanshoff and those guys. They're all from from around there. So that the only time when we play Columbus. But there's that good crew down there. They're all coaches and and, and they all love the game. So I kind of keep in touch with those guys down there. But other than that, I haven't been down for for a do, little while. Do you, do you ever go to the events that MLS Greats folds once in a while? They had one. I just went, yeah. I just did my first one. That that kind of business entrepreneur thing, which is super cool. Like. Yeah, it was, that, really this is cool. the kind of thing that the alumni program needs to be doing more of. Like again, there was a bunch of ex pros. There was f- three finance directors in three different fields, all talking about like real estate, how to manage your money. Like, imagine if I had that at like twenty two. Like, I, I would be in a totally different financial situation. That's for sure. But it's like yeah. we don't we don't get that, and we don't we don't. But it's so cool. And then they they pay for your flights and your hotel. So it's like, whoa, they're taking care of alumni. Holy shit! Like, that's crazy. Like I, I felt like this experience was such a unique thing for me. And it was like, in a way I like, I really applauded, applauded the MLS and like really was, was complimentary on the way out because it's like, it's about time they're doing these types of things for their players. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're not making us pay to come down there to learn about something that they're going to make money on. You know what I mean? Like that's normally how it would go, but it's yeah. like, Hey, Very you guys true. are ex players. We want to help support you here, we'll pay for you to come down here and stay in this hotel for three days while we teach you about the next part of the game. Like, holy shit, like, amazing. <laughs> so it was really yeah, just nice to awesome. be with a bunch of players that really get that and want to expand and want to be something else because we have to do that anyway. And so it's just nice to finally see the support from the clubs and, or sorry, from the league uh, and because we need it. Yeah, I agree. I, I went to the final with MLS greats and it was pretty incredible. I mean, they treat you... Very, very well. They, they, it was very good to see. And I mean, I, I got to see everyone from MLS offices and yeah, everyone's super nice. They're all very receptive and um, welcoming. So it was, yeah, it was, it was fun to, to see. And I'll probably see you at one of these uh, other events at some point over the next. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Sure. If I'm ever in Vancouver, I'll, uh, I'll let you know as well. Please do. Columbus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And then we're going to yeah. be doing one, one, when we launch the app, we're going to do like a speaking tour. I'm going to do like a tour where we kind of go and we, we talk about self-leadership and we talk about like how to find your own journey. And then we're going to launch like the app. And so we're going to do that through a lot of clubs. 
And so I'm going to do like a road trip across the country, like visiting clubs, like doing these speaking engagements, sharing my story, and then giving these digital solutions to the players. And so Columbus will definitely be a stop. You guys are MLS champs, dude. We got to stop. No. Kiss the trophy. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. And if, if I can do anything to help, let me know, man. I, I'm, I'm a new lawyer, but if you need any legal work, I got you. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, well, I always need legal work. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not anything criminal, but I can do anything corporate. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, well, we'll, we'll keep the criminal things off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Good idea, Jim. Oh. Good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, that was great, guys. You guys, yeah. uh, have anything else you need to touch on? No, that was amazing. No, and thanks, Scott, yeah. for putting these pieces yeah. together. It's nice to nice yeah. to revisit some old old faces. And Omar, again, proud of you, dude, for the way that you've come through and and uh, continue to to push and, and find new boundaries and, and do what you're doing, dude. It's been nice to watch Thank you, you man. and become the man you that too. you are. You know, it's it, it's it's something that you know, as someone that saw you as a young player and, and, and coming through and, and go through the adversities that you did to come out of that, to have your own head on your own shoulders and be a man and, 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 and find a great career again, is, is something to, to be proud of. So uh, again, keep up the good work, dude. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And same here. You know, I've always looked up to you and I'll continue to do, hopefully I'll see you around, man. It's been a while. I'll, uh, I haven't been to Vancouver in 10 years, but if I, if I end up going anytime soon, I'll let you know for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. I got a reason now. Okay, guys. <laughs> Wonderful. Good to see you. Thanks, Scott. Thanks Good so much. You, man. Talk to you soon. Good one. Thanks, Thanks to you. Yeah. you guys, Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. You too, Rob. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.